Welcome back, Richard. I hope you had a, a great Thanksgiving uh, last week. Stop making fun of me. <laughs> and um, <laughs> that's a bad joke this year. Well, this um, the, the refrigerator fiasco continues. And, oh. um, and, but we are here today. We're not here today to talk about the holidays. We could talk about college football. We could, you could. Yeah, you don't want, you still don't watch it, do you? No. I, I, all I heard was that Ohio State lost yesterday. They did. They were. They, had a, they, they did. They did. And the, the whole bowl picture now is all confused because of yesterday's games. But yeah, it was a fun day for football fans. I was doing refrigerator stuff, but I guess you know some people get to watch football games. You know, um, and that's all right because somebody's got to do the refrigerator stuff. Um, because what else would people do? Um, it's blue collar life. Meanwhile, um, I was putting together, as you can see behind me, my Christmas tree. I, I thought that was some kind of um, uh, digital thing that you, some fancy digital background that you did. Yeah. And then you, you, those are actually post-it notes? Yeah, I, I made it out of post-it notes. I'm still kind of working on it, but I, I got some lights I'm going to put on it and stuff. I, 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 I don't have room for a, a tree, so I just thought I would put, make sure out of post-it notes. Aren't you the lucky one, though? Hey, um, that's... That look. Uh, so when you tell me you don't have time to help me with the refrigerators, now I know why. You're right because you're I have good. because I have uh, 244 post-it notes to put on the wall. That's, um, that's what you're doing. And counting. <laughs> it's it's a good therapy session. It you know, is like it occupation therapy or something. It was. No, I'm glad that you're in the holiday spirit, right? Working on it. Working okay. on it. Um, right. But today. Um, we're not really talking about any of that stuff today. What we're right. really talking about today is uh, we're going to continue our conversation from last week about schools and about what is right. happening in schools um, and in, you know, continuing sort of the, the conversation as to what is contributing to the struggles that teachers are experiencing and, you know, um, what this means for our students and, what this means for everybody's mental health um, right. who's involved in schools. And, you know, again, let's be honest um, when we think about people who are involved in schools, whether it's parents, students, or, or, or teachers and faculty and everything, right. we're talking about a lot of people. Right. And, you know, it's good that it, it's interesting that you and I are talking about this because you're, you're, you, you're in the schools every day. Right. Okay. And I'm, I'm not. And so I, you'll come back and you'll tell us these stories about what's going on in public schools. And it's shocking to us. Mm -hmm. And yet most people don't realize what's going on in public school in any school right. today. We have no idea. We assume that because schools have reopened, that everything is back to normal. Right. And in fact, it's far from normal. And that, and, and, and it's taking a toll. It continues to take a toll on all the stakeholders, teachers, students, parents, um, uh, um, staff, um, bus drivers, crossing guards. It's taking that it continues to take this, this terrible toll on everybody. I was with a, um, you and I have talked about this many times. I was with a senior last week. Um, we met and uh, did some testing. And as we were talking, it suddenly struck me. She's a senior. She hasn't, the last time she had normal schooling was as a ninth grader. Right. Because 10th grade was affected by the shutdown in the spring. 
11th grade, it was that hybrid thing where they were in and out of school and quarantines and partly in school and partly. And she went to a school that reopened right. last year, but it was still a lot of interruptions. So it was kind of a messy year. And this year, the schools have opened, but they, but they haven't opened. The schools that have opened aren't the schools that closed. Right. Okay. Right. Whatever was going on when this girl was a freshman, that those aren't this. That's not the schooling that's occurring today. No, absolutely. And you, you're talking about a, a senior, a high right. school senior. But I, I think too about you know students in yeah. third grade who are taking you know high stakes testing this year for the first right. time. Now, now Florida's working to to change some of that. Um, but you know they'll be taking high stakes testing this year, and the last time they had a, a complete normal school year was in kindergarten. Kindergarten, so they missed all that skill development, right? Along the way, either they missed days because of quarantines, or they've been sick, or you know the schools have been closed because they opened and closed these past two years, and so you can imagine the number of, of skills that those kids have missed, and yet they're going to take this test at the end of the third grade, right? Mm-hmm. Right, in reading and math, yeah. Absolutely. And so, you know, schools are doing everything they can to, to keep the doors open, to, to keep teachers in the classrooms, to keep students right. in the classrooms. Um, you know, they they are, um, you know, schools are going doing, um, you know, diligent work to keep everything clean and keep everything together. And because of social distancing and all these things, there's a, a, a huge strain on cleaning and bus drivers um, because we have to you know, you can't pack, you know, 60 some odd students in a bus anymore um, right. Right. because of social distancing and stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, buses are making multiple runs and there's just not enough bus drivers. And so it's a strain on everybody. Right. Um, That's right. Yeah, because we're asking we're asking the people involved in education to do a very difficult job under any circumstances. Teaching is a difficult job under these circumstances. Um it's 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 even more difficult. Right. And remember, we're asking these people to do this for very low pay. Um, if you want to be a teacher's aide or a cafeteria worker, or bus driver, you're not making twenty five dollars an hour, twenty dollars an hour, right. fifteen dollars an hour. OK, so we're asking people to do very difficult jobs under very difficult circumstances for very low pay. Right. And as a result, teachers, students and parents, everybody's affected. Teachers are burnt out. We talked about that last week. They're exhausted. They're demoralized. Many of them are leaving the profession. Um, You had elderly teachers who were afraid to go into classrooms when the pandemic was still running rampant. Mm -hmm. Okay. They were fearful before the vaccines. Um, And you had other teachers who were near retirement who decided to take early retirement. You don't have enough teachers coming into the profession. We've known that for years. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, um, USF was talking about closing its College of Education uh, just a year ago because there weren't enough students uh, uh, to to keep it running. Um, And students are behind. Students are suffering. They're behind academically. But, you know, Bernie, the, the thing that I'm seeing with students is is that they're they've lost momentum, right? They, they, it's in fits, education is in fits and starts. It's like there's a vacation every couple of weeks, you know, or summer, vac- there's this interruption and what we call summer slide. And summer slide is kind of going year round now, right? Because kids just don't, they don't seem to have the energy mm-hmm. to keep educating themselves right. because momentum is lost. Right. Yeah. And, and they're, um, and you can see that 
at every level, um, mm-hmm. kindergarten through through high school, um, and and it's almost it's sort of the same with parents. You know, parents oh. on one hand they're they're glad that the students are back in school, but they're also yeah. tired and you know of all of the restrictions, all the limitations, and you know, I know parents that are have so much anxiety when they see that they have a phone call from the school district because that could probably that could mean that the kids have to stay home again um, from their quarantine and um, you know what does that mean for their um, work and for you know their schedules and stuff so right again you know when we think about schools we're thinking about a lot of people who who are uh, affect, affected by what's happening there that's right and um, we learned you know we were reminded we know because we we come out of colleges of education, but we were reminded once again that public schools provide far more than an education. Right. I mean, when they were closed, imagine we all realized the disruption to the economy. Right. You know that you you close the public schools and everything changes. Okay, and so the other thing is is that um, that because of we want to keep the public schools open, but right now public schools are in a very precarious position. They, they are really struggling. You know, there was a time not long ago where we were talking about how are we going to clean our schools to keep them sanitary? Right. We can't get enough janitors to sweep the floors now. Right. Just in a few months, we've gone from how do we professionally clean our buildings and change air filters to we don't have enough people to sweep the floors at night. There are schools that simply don't have janitors or they have one janitor for an entire uh, complex of buildings and teachers go into their rooms the next morning and and everything is still there. It's all the papers on the floor, pencils, and they either clean their own rooms or everybody has to live with all this debris. Right. And and so, you know, as we talked about last week, uh, all of this has contributed to some of that burnout, um, you know, a huge percentage, 53% or so uh, of teachers in, in some surveys are talking about leaving the profession. Um, right. You know, a, 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 over a third are experiencing symptoms of depression or mm-hmm. um, symptoms of anxiety. And so, you know, the, the effects of the pandemic on, on schools um, is having a profound effect. And, right. and again, as we spent time talking about last week, it's especially taking a toll on teachers. Right, right, yep. And, and so we're, the, the pandemic, you know, I was listening to an economist the other day and he said they were talking about um, inflation and gas price and everything. He said, and, and Omicron is new virus. And he said, we don't know. Right. The pandemic is still in the driver's seat. And, and I think that's a good way of thinking about it is that the pandemic's driving all this, whether it's just, you know, we talk about, we, everybody's heard now about the supply chain problems, okay, and the ships uh, out in the ocean and inflation, you know, is, is, is in the news and gas prices, <laughs> gas prices fluctuate. You know, you go to get gas and it's 314. The next time you go, it's 335. And then we, we were watching the prices rise and rise and rise. And in one day, Omicron, that the new variant from South Africa was mentioned, and gas prices in one day, about eight hours, dropped 20 cents. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't think any I don't think any president is controlling gas prices. Right. It, it's 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 an economic thing. Yeah. And, um, and it dropped in 20 cents in a few hours because 
Omicron affected the stock. The stock market dropped and gas prices dropped within a few right. hours because of the new virus. Okay. Right. So there's all this stuff happening. And when we don't have control, you start to get anxious. Right. You know, and we don't have control. And so schools are buffeted by the by the same by these same forces. Right. Okay? Yeah. And, and so you know, with all of that in mind, and as you as you said a minute ago, you know, that schools provide so much more than just education because it, it gives a place for the students to go. Um, more importantly, a place for them to go so that their parents can work. Um, you know, right. that, that's the impact that uh, schools have on educate on um, the economy. Right. Um, and, and we talked about how, um, you know, we talked a little bit last week about how schools are the are the largest mental health center. I mean, right. for most students, the only place that they're going to get mental health support is at school. That's right. Uh, if they're, if they're struggling. That's right. right. Mm-hmm. Here in our district, we, we've initiated a number of uh, programs and we, I think we have to really work to, to fix the way that we're um, mm-hmm. the way that it's been systematized. But, um, you know, we have a number of systems in place to, so that there are multiple mental health people at different schools, right. on different days, that right. provide services and support. So, you know, because we recognize that school is the only place that most students get any of that kind of support. And it's the only place that most students, many students get food. That's right. It's, it's their only meal of the day. Right. And Bernie, you know that in, in Title I, in schools that are in poor areas, teachers will send, schools will send food home with children. Right over the weekend and over vacations. Right. Some schools remain open in the summertime mm-hmm. so the kids can go there to eat. Right. Okay? I mean, like it or not, schools, we have full service schools now. I mean, we're right. approaching full service schools. And, you know, we talk about adults. What's the largest mental health facility in the country for adults? It's the prisons. Well, right. the largest pediatric facility is our schools. Right. Okay? Like it or not, that's, that's, that's what we're dealing with. So schools provide much more than an education. Right. Okay? And right now they're really, really struggling because of the pandemic. Right, and and I think that the the real focus of the podcast today is in light of all of that, um, in in light of the fact that we we need more teachers, we need more bus drivers and and custodians and staff in general. Um, Despite all of the things that schools need, we're finding ourselves in in this political season where we are arguing and, and having debates and, and huge fights over things that have nothing to do with any, anything that the schools really need. That's right. That's right. It's We've talked that about. Things, it's not that those things aren't important, but it's, there are other more pressing things to focus on right now. Right. Yeah, if we could get enough teachers, that'd be a good thing. If right. we get enough substitutes, if we had enough, of anything in schools today, okay? Um, And those are the pressing problems that all of us um, are trying to figure out, everybody in education is trying to figure out. You know, most most administrators, they're just trying to keep the building open and reasonably safe, okay? And they're struggling just to do that, okay? And so if you think about this from a teacher's perspective, what's happening right now is we have teachers struggling day in and day out to make this work under these horrific circumstances. And yet school boards are fighting about issues that have nothing to do with what teachers and principals and administrators are dealing with today. Right. Right. You know, we're in this um, dilemma where 
and, and you know, if you do, if you, if you just search the web, you're going to find loads of articles and um, postings about some of these issues related to students are behind academically, um, teachers are overwhelmed and, and um, leaving the, the, the profession. Um, you know, we're still in a situation where some schools are being closed down because of their overall performance and, and what's happening in them. Um, student, um, you know, school grades as it relates to how, how well students are doing in, in, on tests and things like that, state mandated tests and things like that, continued to drop. But in the midst of all of that, again, we're arguing, as you said, about things that aren't, aren't in the day-to-day functioning of the school. That's right, right, right. Um, again, it has nothing to do with how important they are, but it right. doesn't have anything to do with what the school, what, what's happening to that, to a particular student sitting in the classroom tomorrow morning. Right, yeah, if we're going to take, if we're going to energize people, let's energize people to solve the real problems that confront us. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about let's do the easy stuff. I'm saying let's do what's necessary. And as you said, it's not that these issues aren't important. They are vitally important, but let's not spend our energy over here uh, arguing about them. Let's spend our energy figuring out how to deal with this mess that we find ourselves in. Okay. Right. So yeah. you might be asking yourself, well, what does all this have to do with psychology? Right. Uh, that, I mean, because we've, we've tried very hard not to press political issues and we don't want to do it here. Right. So we asked the quite legitimate question, what does all this have to do with psychology? Well, it's very simple. All of us are struggling with some form of PTSD right now, mild right. perhaps, moderate or severe. Um, we're all feeling some anxiety. We're all feeling a little bit of depression, okay? We're all exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's enough anger. To, <laughs> I think there's enough anger right now to, to float a fairly large battleship or something the size of Texas. Um, and the other thing we shouldn't forget is that we are still killing each other in streets and malls. And, you know, um, every day you see another um, kind of horrific killing. Um, So there's a lot of stuff going on right now. And we should be focusing on that for psychological, specifically for psychological reasons. We should be, we should be reducing the temperature. We should be ameliorating some of these um, strong feelings that, that have been unleashed. Um, and instead, we have people who are actually, exa- some of these things are exacerbating mm-hmm. the psychological problems that all of us are dealing with right now. Right. Yeah. And, and so, and when we think about some of these things, um, you know, I think, as you said, you know, we have these psychological consequences that come out of some of these arguments and debates mm-hmm. and, and everything. And, and it's, and I think that because we're turning these things political, that's what's making them more of a mental health problem. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we think about, you know, there, there's three big topics, right, right. That, that are that people in education, uh, you know, sort of politically based education uh, roles are, are really focused on um, LGBTQ. Um, yeah concerns, um, critical race theory, and social emotional learning. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, those are three big hot button, hot topics right now 
um, that are really hitting the political system. And again, we're not saying that those things aren't important. What we're saying is, is that because we've turned those things so political, right. it's creating much more distress on an already stressed system. Exactly. It's just making more problems. That's right. We, we have a host of problems to deal with. That's what we've been talking about for two weeks. And now we've added this angry component, this divisive um, stuff on top of an already burdened system. Right. Okay. Like everybody wants students to succeed. Everybody wants schools to do well. Um, yeah. You know, no matter what school a student goes to, no matter what school a parent sends their kids to, no one is saying, I hope my kid's school does really well, but I hope I don't care what those other schools do. Nobody says that. Mm-hmm. So, so everybody is sort of on the same team when it comes to, we want students to succeed. We want schools to do well. But these issues pit us against each other right. and attempt to divide us in ways that, that aren't, that's not necessary for the success of students in schools. Right. And I think the way you and I have talked about this is that whether we're talking about um, LGBTQ or critical race theory or social emotional learning, I don't care whether you're pushing those things or you're opposing those things, you're doing schools a disservice right now. So it's not for, we're not for or against. I mean, there are, there are legitimate arguments on both sides, but, but to introduce them now, if, you, if you're pushing one or opposing one, you are doing schools a disservice. There are so many other things that they need. Not only are you, not only are you doing the school a disservice, but you're actually exacerbating the problems that already exist. You're making everything worse. Right, right. Because we're, we're, we're creating issues where, there, where issues don't necessarily exist. Right, exactly. exactly. Um, to me, when I was working on this, I, these are non-issues. I mean, I, I'm sorry, but they're non-issues. I acknowledge that they're important, but right now they're non-issues. They shouldn't, they shouldn't be introduced into, into the current circumstances that all of us are dealing. And we're all dealing with it because right. if the schools aren't open, we're, we're all going to be affected by it. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I, and I think that that's, I think that that's an important point with it is that, you know, we both worked in, in hospital settings. Mm-hmm. Um, you deal with the bleeding wound first, right? right? right. You right. deal with what's really causing mm-hmm. the problem. You, ha- you need to go back and, you know, if a person has cardiac problems, um, because they, they have clogged, clogged arteries, that's really important. But if they're bleeding out because they're, you know, they have a, a wound to their, to their mm-hmm. leg or something, and they're, we're not going to do all of this work on their heart at that moment, we're going to fix the leg. And so it's the same thing with schools. Yes, these things are important. They need to be discussed. Probably more on an academic, at this point, maybe more on an academic level um, than at a political level. Mm-hmm. Um, but they need to be discussed, they need to be worked on, but let's, let's manage the, the bleeding wound first. Right, right. Yeah, and so I think that, that when, I, when I see these issues crop up the way they're, and, and, and to be introduced and to be brought up the way they're being brought up, it feels like there's almost this intentional effort to take advantage of circumstances and to further divide us, to, right. to take these, what are vital day-to-day issues, and divide us. We saw it. Be, we this all began when the pandemic first arrived, and we could see the arguments beginning. The first one was whether schools should be open or not. 
Right. You know, there were people who said, yes, let's open them up. Other people said no. But um, but when governors in different states be, began to force schools to reopen, right. they were forcing the, them to reopen before teachers were really prepared. I mean, you right. remember the days when we were saying, how do you keep kids six feet apart? Before the, how do you keep that? Before the school districts are prepared. Right. That's right. Nobody was ready. People I mean, said, the, yeah, people at the state level mm-hmm. were saying these every school district has to do this when every school district wasn't prepared for that. They, they weren't ready. They didn't right. have the resources. That's right. And so um, and we also didn't know at that time we're talking about pre-vaccine. We didn't know what the result of putting all these people in the same place was going to lead to. We thought, okay, the kids are going to get sick. They're going to carry the infection. Teachers are going to get sick. Kids are going to go home and infect family members. We had no idea what it was going to be like. It was a gamble. We were were saying, it doesn't matter. We don't care about open the schools in the fall of 2020. And and that was done. That It was a gamble. We... Right. Nobody knew what was going to happen, but it was a gamble done at the expense of teachers. Right. You know, nobody was saying, well, wait a minute, let's talk about what, what effect is this having on teachers? That was not part of the discussion. The right. discussion was get the kids back in school so the economy gets up and running again. Um, teachers are just going to have to deal with it. Right. I mean, think about what you're asking. And, and it was the same thing with masks. You same know, thing happened with masks. Because it was, all right, let's send everybody back, but everybody should wear masks. Mm-hmm. Well, then suddenly that became... A, a reason to divide us because right. we have some, oh, you know, we don't want to wear masks or we want to wear masks or everybody should wear masks or nobody should wear masks or we should have a choice. Again, where these decisions are made in this remote place mm-hmm. that affects every specific person. Right. I mean, to say, yeah, to say you cannot mandate, Matt, well, maybe, maybe some schools should, maybe some well, districts should. You can't even, we're not even allowed to ask a student to put a mask on. Right. So you could, you could have a student who's, you know, who, who visibly you can see isn't feeling well. He may not have a fever or something like that. So it's not, you know, you're not going to quarantine them or something, but you can't say, hey, you know, you're sneezing up all over the place. Can you wear this mask? You, you can't even, you, you can't even do that. You know, what if I'm a person who believes in a mask? I mean, we, we want to protect those who don't. What about those who do? Right. But yet you're not allowed to add. What, what if I'm living with somebody? What if my children are, are immuno? I'm a teacher. My kids are immunocompromised. Mm-hmm. I want my students to wear a mask because I can't afford to get this virus because I will, I will bring it home. I'm not allowed to request that. Richard, I, if, I know of, you know, here in the district that, we work, that I work in, um, I know of teachers who are coming to work every day who are, you know, going through chemotherapy or, mm-hmm. or who are who are having, you know, cancer treatment, which compromises their immune system. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, then, not, and, those, and those they only come to work every day, but they're not allowed to ask the students to to wear a mask. And in that room, masks should be mandated right. because of the teacher. OK, right. so you can't make these these blanket decisions right. for, in, that, in any direction. Okay? Right. That's not the way it should work, but that's what's been happening. Okay. And, and now schools are beginning to art now. So we have masks, we have school openings, we have social distancing, and now we're going to introduce these other topics um, like CRT and SEL. 
And none of these have anything to do with what schools need. Critical race theory is not part of anybody's curriculum. Okay. Critical race theory was a law school. It was taught in law schools as a concept, not as a curriculum, not as a course of study. It was taught as a concept for attorneys. Okay. Social emotional learning has been around before Columbine and certainly since Columbine. What do you, what do you think drove the bullying, the whole bullying issue? was about social emotional learning, okay? Don't tolerate bullying. It was part of social emotional learning. It's not new, none of this is new. Right. LGBTQ, it's not new. And we're, su- we're going to have to deal with LGBTQ issues, just like we dealt with race issues, women is- women's issues in the 70s. Now it's gonna be LGBTQ. We have to figure out ways to work together to make it work for everybody, okay? Right. And, we and have so to- there's no... We have to trust at some point we can't make rules about everything. Right. You know, there's many of us, um, many people work very hard to proclaim that we don't want the government making politics to make decisions about everything, our politicians right. to make decisions about everything. Mm-hmm. We want to have some autonomy. We want to have some local decisions that could be made, some decisions that could be made at the school level. Mm-hmm. or the school district level, not necessarily okay. at the state and national level. But at the same time, we're in this, we're, we're creating these huge arguments, these huge debates mm-hmm. at the, at the, the upper um, government levels that's right. trying to affect everybody underneath it. And at some point, again, we have to trust, you know, teachers are going right. to do the good work that they do. That's right. They have been for hundreds of years. I mean, come on, they've been doing this a long time. Okay. And, you know, so we have critical race theory, social emotional learning, LGBTQ. Now we have book ban. Now, now the latest thing that's appearing is certain states are going to start banning books. Okay. Again, these, this, this kind of always happens. So, so the message that this sends is that we don't trust teachers to make the right decision, that only that the elected officials have to make these decisions, okay? And so, but, the, but again, none of these things have anything to do with what is needed. There's great political theater, and it keeps people in the camera, it keeps people on the talk shows. All these issues are, are, are very, very popular to watch on TV, but they have nothing to do with the, with the issues that schools dealt with before the pandemic, or that they're gonna deal with, or that they're dealing with after the pandemic. And by by shifting the emphasis, we not only don't help our teachers, we don't solve the problems that they're facing, but now we have people divided into us and them. Okay, I'm for it and you're against it. We have people fighting about that stuff. Right, and and, you know, there's, um, we we put an article, we linked an article in the show notes um, from NBC News um, about parents protesting about critical race theory and, um, and, and those kinds of things. And, and it, there, there are parents quoted um, in it. And, um, you know, but the parents are pleading with, you know, our, our kids are struggling every day to get through the day. They're, they're, they're struggling to learn math and algebra. Um, they're not thinking about these issues, but here we are having this huge debate and having this, these huge uh, protests and all this kind of stuff, creating a problem that that's now affecting the students because we're making it a problem um, and we're arguing and fighting about it, but that's not the daily struggles that the students are experiencing. Right. Right. And then, and so what's been, ha- what's happened though, 
is that there are certain phrases that have crept into the discussion, okay? And when we talk about, um, we're gonna mention some things about how we're being divided by, uh, how we're being divided. And part of it is the language that we're using. And therein lies another psychological danger because language is used to control. Um, and so when we talk about divisions, um, if we listen to the language carefully, we'll see where the divisions arise, okay? The, the divisions that shouldn't be there, you know? Um, as one mother said, uh, she doesn't think the kids are concerned about race or um, mental health or any of those issues, you know? And she said, some of these kids, they're just trying to get through the day, get through compacted math. I don't know what compacted math is, you know? Um, I'm assuming it's cramming because of the right. pandemic. Uh, they're trying to get through algebra and go to cotillion. <laughs> I can assure you. <laughs> Most kids are not concerned about going to Cotillion on a Sunday, okay? Yeah. Um, most people don't know what Cotillion is, <laughs> what Sunday or not, okay? Yeah. She said, they're not thinking about these issues. We shouldn't be talking about mental health and race because that's not what kids are interested in. And on the other hand, you have a mother who just took her child out of a school right? because the bullying was reaching dangerous levels. It had become right. physical. And um, so it started as taunting and teasing and name calling, and then it was becoming physical. So to protect, uh, to, to shield his son, to protect her from, from physical harm, she took him out of the school and put him in another school. Okay. And yeah. so, so again, you see these differences of opinion. Okay. Right. Well, so, so, you know, as we look and sort of dissect what some of those things, right. Um, the mother is right on one hand that the students are really focused on, on learning. Right. Like I said a minute ago, you know, they're focusing on math and algebra and how to build, you know, be a, build their academic skills and do well in school and everything. But at the same time, you have these things happening like bullying and some of those exactly. kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to fight about social emotional learning and, and some of those kinds of things. Um, th there was a, um, a report from Indiana where um, these activists right, right swarmed a school board meeting um, because they were uh, because the district fired a mental health coordinator because they said it was a dangerous and worthless job. Yeah, they wanted her to be fired. Okay. So, so they they're wanting this person to be out of the school because she has a uh, he or she um, has a dangerous or worthless job. While at the same time, parents were taking their kids out of school because of bullying and because of things that are causing mental health distress for people. Right, right. And it doesn't match. It doesn't make sense. Right. And so why, who, who put it in their heads that a mental health professional is doing a dangerous job and a worthless job? I mean, there's mental health, they're, they're there for some reason. Those people are in schools for some reason. And it's the deal with the problems that schools are dealing with. And so as you sort of um, set up there, you know, who, who is saying this? Well, as you look at more and more reports, you see, you see people, uh, organizations, groups all over the country that are popping up and talking about how, you know, social emotional learning is dangerous and how it should be outlawed and how it's um, a problem for students um, and that it's, you know, social emotional learning is doing nothing but promoting LGBTQ, um, uh, you know, rights and, and right. issues. And, and it, it's, it's baffling again, that we're creating these divisions 
in places where the goal is to support and help and nurture students mm -hmm. as they work through some of these issues that, again, we've been dealing with for a very long time. Right. And you notice the vocabulary that they, and this is the sad, to me, the sad part is that in Fairfax County, Virginia, um, parents were saying that LGBT, that social emotional learning programs have been hijacked by progressives. Okay, that was their argument. Okay, first of all, I don't know what a progressive is. Right. I assume that, I, I don't know, but we have to define what a progressive is. It doesn't matter. In other words, because so, when social emotional learning theory gets attached to progressives, you're not talking about social emotional learning anymore. You're talking about progressives. So right. because it's been hijacked by progressives, we have to get rid of it. Right. Okay. And, and if you're not a progressive, time, if you're not a progressive, you have to be against it. That's right. That's right. And so it, it becomes a political discussion, not, a, not an educational or mental health discussion. Okay. Right. Once you attach those two things, you, be, you begin to slide down that hill. It's the same thing about, uh, there was another one that said that social emotional learning and other educational concepts are labeled as state-sanctioned racism. And once again, you see this volatile language right. that's attached to what should be a mental health issue. But once you attach those two, now we have state-sanctioned racism. Okay, that was a quote right. that they used, okay? Right. Um, other phrases are things like the argument that social emotional learning and other school-based mental health initiatives are part of a new age nanny state, a new age nanny state. Right. I know what new age means and I know what a nanny state means, but those things are beginning to gain traction. And, and that the media now, the, the social emotional theory has become a vehicle for anti-white racism and may soon eclipse critical race theory as the most debated phrase in education. These are not political issues. This is not about a nanny state. It's right. not about racism. These are, these are mental, social emotional theory is about helping kids and teachers manage what's going on today. Well, and, and I think, and, and you, know, you have those arguments and then obviously, and of course, there are some that are far more Radical. Yeah. Right? If, you, if um, you can't, if you don't think it'll get worse. Right. right. Um, you know, the um, you know, there are groups who say that social emotional learning is an attempt to sexually groom children. Um, yeah. and they refer to it as dangerous. And you know, it's really difficult to understand how you go from, you know, I need to work with this student to help them understand what's going on inside of them so that they don't act out and fight everybody who disagrees with them. Mm -hmm. That's social emotional learning, right. but that is grooming this kid to be a victim of some, some other crime um, against children. Um, right. <clears throat> again, we're creating these divisions that don't exist. We're just fabricating them out of nowhere. Right. And it's interesting when we talk about vocabulary, um, there was a survey done, several thousand parents in this survey, and the survey found that people broadly supported the ideas behind social emotional learning, the, the, the concepts underlying right. those things. However, when the term social emotional learning was used, the approval dropped. So it's the, it's the vocabulary and right. what the vocabulary, because social emotional learning means you're a progressive. And if you're a progressive, I have to be against it. 
Okay. So they're for the concept until the word SEL comes up and then the, the, the support drops. Okay. That's not about social emotional learning. That, that, that's a politicized uh, term. Right. Okay? Yeah. Um, and, and I think that because of the climate that we live in and, and the climate that we've lived in, you know, for the past, how many, ever many years, um, we, we find those buttons that really push, especially parents to that nth degree of anxiety. When mm-hmm. you think about human trafficking and you think about, you know, other types of abuse and things like that. And then there are these groups, of course, that attach social emotional learning or, you know, any of these things that we're talking about to that. Right. That's even right. If, even if there's absolutely no connection mm-hmm. there, all you have to do is propose that there might be a connection. Right. Just suggest that there's a connection and, and then and, it gets traction. And that there are other groups, i.e. progressives, whatever mm-hmm. progressives are. Um, and then now all of a sudden you have this entire group of non-progressives who are against it because, well, if it's a, a progressive idea, I need to be against it. That's right. Um, so it's creating these, you know, again, the great divide. It's what Frank Gresham called a false dichotomy. You know, it shouldn't exist. This, this dichotomy should not exist. Right. These, these phrases should not, this, this the vocabulary that they're using and the associations they're making make for good political theater, but it doesn't do anything right. to solve the problems that are confronting us. Okay. Right. So, um, so we need to pause, right? That's we right. need to stop and we need to recognize that we have a lot of issues um, and we can't just bicker and argue about those issues, whether it's uh, critical race theory, social emotional learning, the achievement gap, um, end of year testing, whatever the issue, Mm -hmm. the more that we just simply politicize it so that we're just arguing, the less we're really helping anybody. That's right. And that's what psychologists advise people to do. I mean, you say, what, why the psych- what does this have to do with? If we're dealing with a couple that's facing divorce, well, let's get what the real, you're probably fighting about a number of things. Okay? Right. But let's deal with the most important, like you said about the, the medical example that you gave earlier. Let's deal with the critical issues first. Right. We'll get to this other stuff. Or your child is your, your teenager is, is misbehaving in certain ways. Okay, well, some of this stuff you can forget about because it's just junk behavior, it doesn't matter. Let's deal with the fact that she's failing three subjects or let's deal with the fact that she's you know, doing something that's dangerous, okay? Um, drinking and driving or something. Let's, let's deal with the important stuff first. We'll get to these other things, but let's deal with the critical stuff first. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's what that's what we advise individuals to do. That's what we're advising institutions to do. Absolutely. And we've t- we've talked about in previous podcasts, we've talked about how schools tend to be the experimental grounds for lots of social right. issues, whether it's desegregation or special education or, you know, whatever the case may be, um, you know, schools are the testing grounds for these things. And so it's going to continue. Right. Um, with hugely important critical things, mm-hmm. um, we don't need to create issues that don't exist. Right. There, there's, there's plenty of them. Um, <laughs> plenty of stuff to deal with. There, there's plenty of issues. Um, mm-hmm. And so we don't, we don't need to create more issues. 
Um, let's deal with the issues that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, our issue is that our students are lagging behind. Our students, you know, our teachers are over overstressed, overworked, and leaving the profession, and we don't have enough teachers to fill classrooms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's let's fix that problem, and then when all of that is going well, okay, then we can start thinking about these other things. Then we can go because, as we've said, they are critically important. Okay, race and and. LGBTQ, and so they're all important subjects. They're all important topics. And we will get to them, okay? But right. let's not introduce them now because now what we need is to bring people together and to support um, uh, teachers and other educators so that they can they can uh, do what they need to do under these very unusual circumstances. Uh, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. And, 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 you know, because the more that we politicize, the more that we divide on, about these things, the less likely we are to find any type of agreement, um, the more it's going to interfere with everything that we're trying to do in the schools on a daily basis. That's right. These issues existed before the pandemic. Exactly. And and they existed then. Um, We're not going to fix it right now while we're in the middle of of another tornado. You know, we can't fix it now when we're still struggling with everything else. Right. You know, even before the pandemic, bullying was rampant. Right. Um, we didn't have enough qualified teachers and staff then. Teachers have been demoralized. Schools are unequal. Um, there has always been an achievement gap. All these things existed prior to the pandemic. The pandemic has just added another layer of right. difficulty that we have to deal with. The loss of instructional town, the loss of money. When headcounts went down this year, uh, right. people don't realize this. Schools get reimbursed based on the number of students that were in the building in October. Twice a year, right? we do FTE. We, we, we count the number of students at a school. And mm-hmm. um, that's in October and again right. in February, March, March, April, yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and depending on what that school count is, you know, a couple of my schools lost teachers. We already don't have enough student enough teachers to cover but because the the number of students was down you know a little bit doing everything Mm -hmm. we lost we lost multiple units in in a school i know one school they couldn't account for 300 kids they didn't know where they were right it was during the pandemic they either moved or they dropped out of school they couldn't find those kids well a school gets reimbursed they get a certain amount of money for every student that they can count right. and identify in October, okay? If the students aren't in school, they can't be counted. If they're not counted, you don't get that money. Right. I mean, this is what people don't realize about education. And if you don't get that money, you can't have the teachers. Can't have the teachers. So now you have too few teachers and even that number's dwindling because schools don't have enough money to pay. That's a huge problem that needs to be addressed. Right. Instead, we're talking about social emotional learning, or we're talking about some other non-issue. I mean, that's an issue. Right. That's a real issue. Okay. Right. So um, we shouldn't be arguing about that. But but it requires leadership, whether it's departments of education or governors or legislators or somebody. It takes leadership that brings people together, right. uh, people of different opinions and different backgrounds and different beliefs to bring those people together to solve the, pro- the real problems that confront all of us. Right. And yes. Especially what we're asking of teachers is, is 
is um, I, don't, I don't know any other profession, maybe nurses who are asked to do as much as teachers during this pandemic. Right. Yeah. And, and what we don't need is more fighting about these issues that aren't um, critical right in this moment. Um, right. We don't need to keep fighting at school board meetings. We don't need to cre- keep turning schools into battlegrounds. Um, we don't need to, um, you know, we don't need people taking advantage of these situations for their own agendas. Right. Um, you know, let's, let's deal with the issue that's in front of us, the issue that's affecting students every day. Right. Let's focus on those. And then again, like we said before, once we get, once we have those things managed, once we have better control of the pandemic, once we have, um, you know, good systems in place for these things. Okay. Now, now, now let's, that's right. Now let's look at some of that stuff. Yeah. Imagine if you're a school principal and I do this, I think about this all the time, you're a school principal and you don't have enough, you didn't get enough money because of, um, because students were disappearing. You don't have, you don't have enough money to hire all the teachers you need. So you're struggling with class size numbers and all that stuff. And you turn on, you go to the school board meeting and there's this screaming and yelling about critical race theory and you're scratching your head thinking, I'm, I need another teacher. I need two more teachers in my building to even begin to provide an education to all the students. And I've just spent three hours listening to people screaming about critical race theory. It's nothing to do with, with anything right now. Right. Okay? Yeah. So let's think about this from, from, from that different perspective. Right. The schools are really struggling. They're, they're in a crisis mode right now. They need our assistance. They need our support. What they don't need is political wrangling and arguing about non-issues, about any issue. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, with all of that, I think that that's it for today. That it? Almost done with November, huh? Yeah. Couple more days. into the holiday. December is next week. Yes. A few days away. So, Oof. all right. Well, okay. Enjoy. Good seeing you again. You as well. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid. <laughs>